Welcome to episode number 222. In this episode, we're going to be talking about some of the best homestead gifts you've ever received. So some of these may be something that you want to put on your own wish list. They might be something you decide to gift yourself, or they may be items that you decide to give that special homesteading somebody in your life. Or lastly, they are some things that you might decide to save up for and buy over the upcoming months in the new year. Welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast with me, your host, Melissa K. Norris, best-selling author of three books, including my brand new book, The Family Garden Plan, which we're going to be talking about a little bit further along in this episode. I'm the host of this podcast, founder of the Pioneering Today Academy, as well as the website, melissaknorris.com. And I am so thrilled to have you here with me today. This is the place where we talk about homegrown and homemade using modern homesteading to raise, preserve, and cook your own organic food no matter where you live. As I said, today's episode is dedicated to all things homesteading and Christmas. I thought it would be fun to share with you some of my favorite things that I have gotten over the years that are homestead related. And some of them might surprise you, but I think this is definitely going to give you some inspiration and a wish list as well, maybe. One of my all-time favorite things that I ever got for Christmas was my all-American pressure canner. The 21 and a half quart, which no, it doesn't actually fit 21 and a half quart jars. It's not that big, but it fits seven wide mouth quart size jars and up to 19 pints. So if you were to pour 21 and a half quarts of liquid inside of it total, that's why it's a 21 and a half quart, but it doesn't actually hold that many. Prior to that, I had a much smaller pressure canner. I don't know if they even make this brand anymore. My original pressure canner was a Muro, and it's very similar to Presto models, but it was a lot smaller. It would only hold four quart jars and at most seven pint jars. So it was much, much smaller. And I had it for years, for over a decade. That's what I canned all of our stuff in. But as I started to can more and more every year, I added more items and larger quantities to the things that I was both growing and then hence preserving and putting up for us. I really wanted an all-American. I wanted a bigger canner. And the all-American is, I hate to use the words expensive because it is such a, a relative term to where you're at. What's expensive to one person is not as expensive to the other. And sometimes you can't really put a, well, you are putting a dollar on it because let me be very clear, they're not free. They cost money. But it can sometimes be hard to put a dollar value, I should say, on something. It has that price tag because the amount of time it saves, the amount of work it saves, just so many things. And over the years, like I'm never going to have to buy another canner. That All-American canner is going to last me for decades. Someday when I'm no longer able to can, I could even pass it on to my granddaughters or my daughter. I mean, it's a legacy piece. So I consider it an investment, but very worthwhile. And when I take into account that I can can triple 
the amount that I could in my previous scanner, that saves so much time. It saves electricity, like just so many things. So I definitely think it was worthwhile. And I will have in today's show notes, you can click the link or just go to melissaknorris.com forward slash 222 because this is episode number 222. And I will have links to all of the different items that I'm talking about if you want to check them out further. And I actually have blog posts that will help you decide what the best pressure canner to choose or to buy for your family is. Like I did share, I had two types of pressure canners and I definitely love my All-American. But depending upon the type of stove that you have, I do have a blog post that will walk you through and your funds budget. Because even though the All-American, like I said, and they are not in any way sponsoring this episode, though I totally wish that they would, just so that we're clear. I totally think it's worthwhile, but I think it's more important if you don't have the funds to invest in the All-American, then getting one of the other models, they don't cost as much money. But I think the money that you save by being able to pressure can your health, like all of the things that are beneficial in being able to can our own food at home. I think it's worthwhile to get started with what you can afford. And it does depend on the type of stove that you've got. So I'll pop that link to that article so you can go and check that out if you're looking at getting a pressure canner as a Christmas gift this year or even just in this coming year so that you can make sure that you choose the best pressure canner for your stove type and your budget. One of my other favorite homestead gifts that I got was our cast iron. Cast iron is one of, actually not one of, it is my absolute favorite thing piece of cookware. I love cast iron. Started out with cast iron skillets and it was because I had some Teflon pans when I didn't know any better way back in my newlywed early days and we had Teflon pans. Well, the Teflon after a short period of time would actually flake off in our food and I just, I I shudder to think of that, but we can't redo the past, right? So it is what it is. But it was flaking off in our food. I'm like, I need to get new pans. Like, this is ridiculous. I've got black flecks of stuff of this Teflon gray stuff in our food. And so I began looking at them and then actually doing some research on Teflon and decided I was not comfortable having it as our cookware. I knew I didn't want aluminum cookware either. Now, having a pressure canner that's aluminum, they're, all of your pressure canners are aluminum. They have to be basically for the weight of them because they're so big. If they were stainless steel or other things, they would be too heavy to use. And because my food is sealed up inside a glass jar and then being processed in a pressure canner that's aluminum, I'm fine with that. But I didn't want aluminum cookware. So I settled on cast iron or glassware. I do have some glass baking pans, but of course those are not what I'm going to be using for frying. And I love my cast iron. We do still have a couple of stainless steel skillets just left over from, I don't remember if they were Christmas or not. They weren't Christmas gifts. I was going to say, I don't remember if they were actually wedding gifts because we've been married 20 plus years. I don't remember where they came from, but I prefer the cast iron. I feel like it's less, actually it's easier to clean. My cast iron truly is easier to clean than those other, um, skillets. And I just prefer the way that it cooks the food and that I can put it directly into the oven from the stove. Like so many reasons that I love cast iron. So we had cast iron skillets. They were actually in the house that we were renting from my parents. And I don't know if they were my parents. I don't even know where these cast iron skillets came from, but they were in the house. And so I got them out, cleaned them up, seasoned them. And that's what I started to use. And there was born my love of cast iron. 
But for my Christmas presents, this was actually over a few years. The first big thing that I got that was cast iron that I fell in love with as a Christmas gift was our Dutch ovens. I love not enameled cast iron Dutch oven. So I do have one of those and I like it just fine for in the house or cooking just on top of the wood stove. But I'm talking like the spider Dutch oven, black cast iron ones that you, we use to cook outside with over the open fire. I do Dutch oven cooking with them with coals. You can put them inside a barbecue. I cook with them on top of the wood stove. You can put them in, in your regular oven and cook with them. But I got hooked on outdoor Dutch oven cooking. It's so much fun when you're camping. We actually have now where on Saturday nights, whenever we're camping with anybody, family, friends, Saturday night when we're camping is Dutch oven cook-off. So everybody, we have a potluck. Everybody has to cook it, whatever they're bringing in a Dutch oven outside, like over the campfire. And then we share the meal together. And then we have a judge. We vote. Everybody votes on what they thought was the best cast iron cooked dish. It's just a ton of fun. We get to looking up recipes, trying out new techniques, trying different new things in the cast iron. Just love it. And then I have them at home, obviously not just when I'm camping. So then if the power goes out, I'm able to bake and cook outside in the summertime. I can still use coals even when we have burn ban in specified areas and do my Dutch oven cooking that way. So I'm not heating up the house. Oh my goodness. I love having my spider Dutch ovens. And they're specific when you're wanting to cook with them outside. So mine have the feet on them, three legs on the bottom so that they will stay level. And I could just set them on top of the coals and the fire and they're elevated up off of them. Whereas like a lot of some of your cast iron Dutch oven, especially enameled, which I would never use enameled Dutch oven outside in open flames. If it has the flat bottom, you can use rocks and different things to try to make a tripod. And if you're interested in more Dutch oven cooking, we I have several podcast episodes and tutorials and whatnot on it. And I will link to that in the blog post that moskinorris.com forward slash 222 that goes with this episode. So you guys can check that out in more depth. It's also a series within the Pioneering Today Academy. Love me cast iron and cooking outside. So it was that Dutch oven. They also have that flat top so that the lid, you want it to be flat with a, a lip or a rim so that when you pile your coals on top of the lid for your baking, they don't roll off. You need them to stay on top. So there are some specification specifications when you're looking to cook with it outside in that Dutch oven that you want to make sure it has. After that, so that was the first thing. And then, of course, I wanted several different sizes because we were cooking multiple different dishes at once. So that was over a few years. We kept adding in different um, sizes to our cast iron Dutch oven collection. But then I so I use like I said, I use it for everything. I bake my pies in my cast iron skillet and I also have a video on how to season your cast iron items. So I'll make sure that I've linked to that as well for you um, because it, it is having them taken care of properly and seasoned properly really ensures if you enjoy them and they have easy cleanup and are just easy to use and means you will stick to them and keep using them. The next thing that we got, which I want to get more of. I only have one so far is my cast iron bread loaf pan. You guys, it is amazing. Prior to that, I just had some different stainless steel bread loaf pans, which were fine. I mean, they bake bread, just they bake bread. I had some ceramic loaf pans. Those bake bread just fine too. But there is something I'm, I'm telling you, there is something about the cast iron loaf pan that bakes the bread 
I just, it comes out clean. It never sticks. I love the texture and I don't even really know how to put it into words, honestly, but there's a difference in the texture and I, I, it just tastes better. It might be a placebo effect. I don't care if it's just in my head because I feel like it tastes better and I love it. So I want to get another one because a lot of times when I'm baking our sandwich bread and sourdough bread and different breads like that that are in a loaf pan, which the sandwich loaves are, I bake multiple loaves at once so that I'm only baking once a month or once every few weeks and then I freeze it. And I really need to get another one because I always like the loaf that comes out of that cast iron pan better than some of my other pans, which I still have the stainless steel one. So I need to put that on my Santa Christmas wish list. Like I would like to get another cast iron loaf pan. Now this is going to seem like something simple and you might just get a quick laugh out of this, but my rolling pin, I had tried one of those. Oh, it's like a marble rolling pin. It wasn't a wooden one. It was supposed to roll out better, especially like with pastry dough, etc. And I had it for a number of years. You know what? I just didn't really like it. I didn't. I felt like it did stick. I don't know. I wasn't that impressed with it. And so I actually it was a Christmas gift to myself because I was out shopping and I saw wooden rolling pins and I'm like that I'm getting a wooden rolling pin. Like I'm going back to the wooden one and I prefer it. I kind of would try both of them for a little bit. Now, I just really like a good wooden rolling pin. One of my other favorite things that I got, and again, this is going to sound bad, you guys. I sound like I buy myself gifts all the time. (laughs) But my husband and I kind of have this thing where we'll get each other a few surprise things. But apparently, we're both kind of picky about what we want. And we know that. And so we just kind of tell each other or just be like, okay, you buy it. We'll just buy what we want for each other, for ourselves, but as at Christmas, along with a few fun, spontaneous gifts. Well, and this one was a pre-Christmas gift to myself because I needed it to make gifts for other people for Christmas. See, great rationalization there, right? But it's true. And that was a soap mold. I had been making soap and I have lined boxes before. I've lined bread pans actually before. You can get by without an actual soap mold. You can, and I did it for a number of different times and trying and using different things just fine for as molds, which all worked. But I really wanted a two pound soap mold and I wanted it with a silicone liner so that I didn't have to wrap and line with like the wax butcher paper and line the different types of molds I was using every time. I just wanted a regular wooden soap mold with a silicone lining. And so I ordered myself the soap mold. It was very, it was an inexpensive one. It wasn't even expensive, but I was so excited and making homemade soap is one of, I guess you could call it like a gift for myself and for others because that's what I do with the soap. I keep some for us and then I gift others. But that was when that was a great Christmas present because it also helped me make more homemade gifts for other people who were on the list. Now, a few of the other things that have been favorite Christmas gifts, this one actually came to me and this one, it may or may not surprise you. And if you followed me on Instagram and Facebook for a few years, you probably saw it. But my mother-in-law, she knows I love books. You guys, I... I love books. I'm obviously, I'm an author. I've written over three books myself, but I, and I love to read. I've loved books since I was able to read. 
In fact, I used to, before kids, <laughs> I would read, I could read a book a day on the weekends. I would read a book Friday after work. I'd read a book on Saturday and I would read a book on Sunday. I'm a voracious reader, love books. And so one of the most precious books that I got, my mother-in-law gifted to me, and it was an old, old antique vintage cookbook that belonged to her great grandma. So it was this very old cookbook, but the really cool thing about, not only was it an old cookbook, which I love old cookbooks. Oh my goodness, you guys, like 1930s, 20s, early 1900s, the better. I love them. They're one of, I can sit and thumb through them like a magazine for hours on end. I find them treasures. But what was special about this one is it was from my husband's family. So it had been passed down and also in it, like tucked into the pages were old handwritten recipes and letters with recipes after they had moved away from one another so that they could still correspond, you know, back in the day when we did handwritten letters, which seems a very long time ago, these ones actually were a long time ago, different where they'd cut out of newspapers, recipes that they wanted to share and things that they wanted to try and little handwritten notes on different pages. Oh my goodness. Such a treasure. I, that's probably one of the, my favorite things that I ever received. And that was an it was used. It was old, but she knew how precious I thought it was. It was a family heirloom and it was an old cookbook. And like I said, I love those old cookbooks because they used from scratch ingredients. And my favorite are when they're so old that they don't even use like really degrees. They just say, put in a moderate hot oven because <laughs> it was with a, like an old wood cook stove. They didn't, you didn't actually have a temperature gauge on it to put 350 degrees Fahrenheit. Some of them are really, really fun that way. But I love to give and get books as well. I usually end up buying some type of a book for at least one or two people on my Christmas list every year or on birthdays, pretty much any occasion where you're going to give somebody a gift. Very likely you're going to get a book from me. So speaking of books and gifts, this year I got an early Christmas present in the mail and it's probably been one of my favorite things at Christmas time that I've ever gotten. And that is, I got the early author copies of my brand new book, The Family Garden Plan, Grow a Year's Worth of Sustainable and Healthy Food. And even though this is my third book, it, technically it's my fourth book, I wrote and self-published my very first book, which is still listed on Amazon because there's some used bookseller that has it for sale, you guys, for like $500. It's ridiculous. And I... I can't make them take it down. Drives me crazy. But the good news is I rewrote that book into my very first book, which is the Made From Scratch Life. And it, it's even better. So don't try to go and buy that used copy for that ridiculous price because it's been rewritten. It's discontinued, which is why only a used bookseller who has that crazy price. It's still on there. But it was rewritten into my first pu traditionally published book, which is the Made From Scratch Life. But my first two books, so The Made From Scratch Life and Handmade, I love both of those books. They are still in print. I have people purchasing them and messaging me all the time and tagging me when they're trying the recipes and loving them, which is so exciting. And I love to see that and that people are using them and creating great results. But what makes this new book so special is one, it's not a cookbook like the other two. They cook, they have cooking recipes and them preserving recipes and them as well as like homemade recipes for uh, the made from scratch lights has in it homemade laundry soap, 
those type of things, homemade cleaners along with cooking. And then Handmade has cooking recipes as well and fermenting recipes and sourdough and cultured food. And then it has like homemade soap, like oatmeal and honey cold processed soap, melt and pour, some different herbal medicinal salve recipes. So those are those, those type, those are what those books are like. Those are the types. The new book, which is the title didn't give it away, The Family Garden Plan, is all about gardening. So it's it's more niched and it's about growing your own food, specifically walking you through the steps to growing a year's worth of sustainable and healthy food. And maybe it's growing just one crop a year's worth of it. And maybe it's multiple crops, depending on how long you've been gardening. But what's special about this book is it's my first book that is in color with pictures. And so the Oh my goodness, you guys, I can't even, I'm going to tell you, I shouldn't say I can't tell you. I'm going to tell you this book was such a different experience as a writer to write because I've been gardening, had my own garden for 20 plus years. I grew up always having a garden. I didn't realize that not every house did that. I thought every house just put a garden in, in the summer and your mom can't, and you ate off of it all year long. I didn't know when I was little that that wasn't the case for everybody. So I've always had gardening in my life, growing my own food. It's just part of my heritage. But what made this so special is my publisher sent my editor and a photographer to our homestead this summer for a full day photo shoot. It was actually an evening and then another full day. So over a day's worth a photo shoot of our garden. My kids get to be in the book. My husband is in the book. And just documenting lots of tutorials and everything. And so that was a whole new experience. And I just got to tell you, I got a whole new respect for models. You guys, I never would have expected. We started um, on the full day. We started at 8 a.m. in the morning. And I think they left my house at like quarter to seven, almost seven at night. So over 10 hours. And you wouldn't think that just having your picture taken and some of them are me and then some of some of them are actually like of all the, of the plants and the chickens and all the different things and sharing and showing that. But oh my goodness, it, I was so exhausted. I have been very tired from physically working, doing farm work and gardening. This was a whole different thing, but so, so rewarding and so cool to see it come together with all of these pictures because gardening is one of my favorite things. Raising your own food. I feel like it seems so simple. It's such this simple thing, but it has such big implications and such big ripples that people don't even realize. Because when we grow something and we're raising it ourselves, one, we're helping our own health because homegrown food is more nutritious than any store-bought or even from a CSA because it has a shorter time from being off the vine to when we're eating it. It's just better for us. It has more flavor. We're being good stewards of the land so things aren't being shipped all over. It's like right outside our back door. And when you start with that one thing and you see how awesome it is, it just does something to you and every year you want to do more and more and more and you want to share it. And I really believe that the more people that we share this with, both our homegrown foods so that they taste the difference and the knowledge so that they're doing it themselves, I firmly believe that if every person, every household was raising some of their own food, we would see a vast shift and change. And that is my goal is to have every household doing 
at growing at least one thing of their own food. So when I got to see the book and I got to actually unbox it and see all these photos, which, you know, they were being taken, I was in or behind the camera, like showing, you know, different things that we were taking photos of for different parts of the book, but to see it all put together with the charts and the information. And really what I feel like is the 20 plus years of my experience all in one book. I don't know, really know how to even put it into words. It's pretty amazing. And I think too, because I know what this is going to do for other people. I know what it's done for me and my health by growing even more and more of our own food and the charts and the research that are in this book that just make things so easy and applicable from I even, I used it today, actually. I had to go out and spray some of our fruit trees. And so I was able to quickly just reference to the chart because I, some of the information, there's so much in there. It's very hard to have it all memorized. I even have to look up my own stuff sometimes. And I wanted to make sure I'm like, okay, I need to treat for some apple scab and peach leaf curl. So I went to the chart and did some quick research and neem oil, full process neem oil is one that works great. And I'm like, okay. There we go. So it's going to, I used it to treat all of the trees and got them sprayed. So it's also got very practical information in there that you can use. And then you are totally going to be inspired by the, the stories that are in there and the photos. It's just put together so beautifully. So if you haven't pre-ordered your copy yet, I highly recommend you can pre-order it as a gift. It all They'll all ship out. All the copies will be in bookstores and shipping out January 7th. But you want to go and get those pre-order bonuses because you get access to some of the charts, early access to the charts and worksheets. And I've got some really amazing bonus items that you can claim when you pre-order. So to both order and then go claim those bonuses, go to the familygardenplan.com familygardenplan.com. I'll have the link in the blog post that I told you about already. And you can go and get access to those bonus bonuses immediately. So companion planting, crop rotation, seed saving, soil amendment guide. Oh my goodness, you guys, so many amazing things to help you grow your own food. And then you know that the book is coming and it's one that you are going to want to sit down and just thumb thumb through and look at the pictures and then you're really going to want to settle in and read. So those have been some of my best and most favorite gifts that I have received or bought myself. I totally, I would be totally honest with you guys. Some of them I purchased for myself. I would love to hear what some of your best Christmas gifts that you have got have been. If they're homemade, if someone, you know, like I said, my mother-in-law gifted me the old family vintage cookbook, anything. I want to hear about what some of your absolute favorite homestead Christmas gifts have been. So you can let me know either in a review of this episode, tag me on social media, shoot me an email. I would love to hear and see what those items are. I will be back here with you on Friday with episode number 223. And you guys... It is a great one. You are going to totally want to tune in. You don't want to miss it. Make sure that you've hit subscribe so it gets immediately downloaded on your podcast listening app. We're going to be talking about urban gardening and tips to go from a hobby garden to feeding your family and your community. So I will see you then.